Thank you. Let us pray together. Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on these, your precious chosen ones that watch us live stream, that are in this worship center. And now fall so fresh now on this preacher. Amen. Today, brothers and sisters, we begin a new sermon series called Having Words with Jesus. Have you ever wanted to just question Jesus about some of the stuff he says? Some of the stuff Jesus says, I, I don't know about you, but I just skip right over to get to the he loves me part. <laughs> Today we began the series where we're going to delve into the difficult sayings of Jesus so we can once again sit at Jesus' feet and allow Jesus through the Holy Spirit feed us and teach us some of the difficult things that Jesus has said in the scriptures. And my friends, Jesus tells these stories or parables, and sometimes I wish I didn't have to, he didn't say it, because it means that I'm going to have to do something that I really don't know if I can. Like if somebody hit you, turn the other cheek. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And when he speaks these difficult things, most often he's dealing with the cost of following him, the cost of being a Christian, the cost of being a disciple. Most often, Jesus is trying to make us understand that it costs us to be a disciple. There's a cost of being a Christian. So he says things like, sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Broke, busted, and disgusted, still follow me. And then there is our text today that Savannah read. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Ouch. What if you had that in a membership? Wow. Do you promise to hate your father and mother and sister and brother and wife and even hate your life itself if you want to follow me? Jesus is talking about what it costs to be a Christian. A whole lot of people think that going to church occasionally or simply believing in God makes one a Christian. But my brothers and sisters, the Bible presents a different perspective and definition of what being a Christian is. It costs to be a Christian. And most often, if you're me, it costs my opinion because nobody wants to hear my opinion, but they're most interested in Jesus's opinion. I have an opinion about everything, but God's opinion is what costs. It costs to be a Christian and not just money. A Christian is someone whose behavior and heart reflects Jesus. Followers of Jesus were first called Christians in the city of Antioch, according to Acts 11.26. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught 
great numbers of people. The disciples were then called Christians for the first time. They were called Christians because their speech, their behavior was much like Jesus' speech and behavior. As a Christian, someone who has put their faith and trust in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ through his death, the cross, and his resurrection, our behavior must mirror and reflect and resemble the God we serve. Being gracious and merciful to others is behaving like Jesus forgiving and loving, praying for our enemies. It's Christ-like. Welcoming and serving the marginalized, the least among us, is being Christ-like. Caring for the sick, needy, underprivileged, widowed, orphans, poor, abused, vulnerable, and those who are last mirrors and reflects the Son of the living God. Striving for justice resembles Jesus. But it's not simply good works that makes us a Christian. Being a follower and disciple of Jesus extends far beyond our outward behavior. It includes the condition of our hearts. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, when we commit our lives to serving him and serving others as he has served and is serving us, our behavior and mindset reflects the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Christ is with us and in us, and that makes us new creations and causes us to live up to a standard that we were not taught in societal norms. So when Jesus tells his disciples that they are to hate the members of their family, He's not telling them to treat their parents as their opponents treat them. If he were, Peter's mother-in-law never would have gotten the healing, and Jesus' own mother and brothers would not be a part of the Jerusalem community gathered in his name. No. Jesus is teaching us how demanding the call to the kingdom of God, the call to be a disciple, the call of being a Christian is. Jesus demands loyalty, and he demands it in a strong way. Beside him, there must be no other. No other can possess your heart and your mind if you're going to follow Jesus. God has to occupy the number one spot in your life, and that cost, my brothers and sisters. The cost of following Christ is costly. We must be ready to surrender all to him at all times. Some of life's lessons are difficult. You remember King Solomon said, we should train up a child for that very reason, he said these things. Preparation is the key to being a Christian. It is better to know where we are going and what the cost will be before we take one step. That's the lesson in this parable told by Jesus. At this point in Christ's earthly ministry, the crowds that followed him were continually growing every single day. It should have been a comfort to our Lord to have so many disciples walking with him toward the holy city. But Jesus wasn't focused on the present. 
He was looking to the future. He knew that he was on his way down the dusty road to Jerusalem to an old rugged cross. He knew, my brothers and sisters, that this multitude of enthusiastic followers would soon desert him. He knew his own disciples would abandon him in his greatest hour of need while he suffered in agony in the garden of Gethsemane. He knew that he would be arrested and placed on trial. He knew that he would die. His profound purpose for telling this parable was to warn us who follow him of the importance of spiritual tenacity. Spiritual resolve requires the highest level of determination and tenacity. Because we are following a movement that includes people. And it's not always easy to be a part of a movement that includes people. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife, Aletha. She'll tell you. We'll need plenty of spiritual resolve if we want to be an authentic disciple of the master. Discipleship is difficult. We're called to take up our cross and follow Christ without knowing where our journey will take us or what the cost will be. This parable, known as the parable of the tower builder, is Christ's warning for us, if you're going to join the movement of Christianity, be prepared like a good soldier in the army of the Lord. How does Jesus prepare us in this parable to face the challenges of discipleship? I think there are three things in this parable that lays out for our consideration. First, true faith is costly. To emphasize to the, to the disciples that it's costly, Jesus used a strange example. He says that you have to hate your own family and even your own life in order to be his disciple. On the surface, that seems cruel. But if you take a closer look at this command, listen, first he says, first, if you were a Jewish person, to hate your own family, it would have been a violation of the law of Moses. And Jesus was always teaching people to fulfill the law. So he never would have asked them to hate people if it was going to make them not follow the law. So he could have not meant literally to hate our mother and father. So what did the master mean? Jesus was placing emphasis on the priority of love. To be loyal to me, Jesus, I must come before your family and even your own life. We read in Matthew 10, we find Jesus saying these words, he that loveth his mother or father more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Discipleship comes with a cost. Imagine for a moment what would have happened to the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ if after his crucifixion 
these disappointed, dejected disciples went home to their families and their old livelihoods. In fact, they tried. But Christ followed them to the shore where they were casting their nets, and he showed them how important it was for them to be fisher of people. And they immediately dropped their nets once more, and this time they followed their calling without looking back. Yeah, my friends, true faith is costly. There are many times when our families will not understand our commitment to Christ. When I was first diagnosed with cancer this year, my sons were saying, Dad, you've been at this 40 years. You need to get that up and live the rest of your life doing things you want to do. They even got mad at me when I said, no, I'm going back because I'm not finished with what God wants me to do at Calvary yet. When I'm finished, I'll gladly leave. And you know, my, my middle son actually got angry with me and he felt that I was being too selfish. They may even try to discourage us, but if we are going to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, we will drop our nets to follow him because that's the call. Second, estimate before you enter. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no turning back. So Jesus says it's wise to consider the cost. In this allegoric fashion, he says, for which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and count the cost? whether he has sufficient to finish it. Allow me to paraphrase. If you're going to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and plan the construction to make sure that you have the heart of the project, to make sure you have enough materials to complete the project? Christ's call to discipleship requires us to take some measurements, some assessments of our sincerity and our commitment. Is your heart really in this thing called Christianity? Can you commit to the end and not leave because somebody rolled their eyes at you in church? Have you counted the full cost of following Jesus? If you seek the Lord with all your heart, will you believe in his word? Will you trust the Savior, forget your past, resist the devil, and keep the faith no matter what's happening around you? There will be burdens to carry. You will have to carry a cross. There will be lifestyles to change. Are you willing? There will be temptations to overcome. Will you yield or will you resist? I've discovered that I need to recommit myself daily to Jesus Christ. I've discovered that that one time saying, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, is not enough because every day Jesus gives me new challenges and every day I have to pray to God that I have the strength and the tenacity to follow the master's plan for my life. Of course, we don't have to build this new life by ourselves. Christ will be at our side, but some self-assessment is not only necessary, it's essential. Otherwise, we will be just another Demas in the church. Before Demas had forsaken me, having loved the present world, and is departed, Timothy 4.10.
Finally, no matter what the cost of the cross, it is worth it. And the cost here is crucifixion. Not the crucifixion of our body, but the crucifixion of self. When the Roman government crucified a captive, the victim was forced to carry their own cross part of the way to the crucifixion site. Carrying your own cross through the streets of the city was supposed to be your confession that you were receiving a just sentence for your sin. The Roman Empire was correct in proposing death upon you. You, you were telling the world and they were right and you were wrong. When Jesus said to his disciples, and whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What was he really saying? Take up your cross and follow me because I am right and they are wrong. As Christians, we are called to follow Christ even to death. This is just what the religious leaders of ancient times refused to do. It was too great of a cost for them to bear. They could not give up power and prestige and position. They could not humble themselves to follow the master. The cross of self-denial was too heavy for them to carry. But that's the cost of true discipleship. And my friends, it's worth it. The Apostle Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And in the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And whoever loved me and gave himself for me, even before I knew who he was. I don't know the full cost of your cross. You may have lost some old friends or even family who just couldn't accept the change in your life. At times your cross may seem cruel and your load may seem to be too heavy. The challenge may seem too large and the task may seem too great. But don't be discouraged. It's worth it. It's a challenge to keep on keeping on when everybody else is stopping, but it's worth it. It's a challenge to hold on when the rest are letting go, but it's worth it. It is a challenge to stand firm when others are stumbling and staggering. But I tell you, it's worth it. It's a challenge to rely on God when all others are doing their own thing and being driven by a consumeristic society. But it is worth it. It's worth it because Christ is worth it. That is what we commit to when we join the movement of Christianity. We don't commit to Calvary. We commit through Calvary, through Jesus Christ, because we believe this is the place that God has chosen for us to praise and worship him. Christ is worth the cost of our cross because he alone has the power to be our protector and our provider. He, had, he can refresh us when we are weary because he is the fountain of living water. He can nourish us when we are feeling feeble because he is the true vine. He can calm us in calamities because he is the prince of peace. He can lift us from depression because he is our burden barrier. And you'll never feel lost because he is the good shepherd. He is the bright 
and morning star. He will guide us. He is the captain of our salvation. He'll help us carry our cross. The Lord helped Joseph in the pit. I believe he'll help us too. The Lord helped Daniel in the lion's den. I believe he'll help us too. The Lord helped Samson in the king's palace. I believe he'll help us as well. The Lord helped Jeremiah under the juniper tree. I believe he will help us too. The Lord helped his only begotten son carry the cross, and he will help us as well. No matter what the cost to carry our cross, it will pale in the shadow of Christ's cross. Christ beckons us today. Take up your cross and follow me. Will you heed his call? Gracious God, we thank you for the invitation to pull alongside you. We thank you for the invitation to come and serve you with what you have given us. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to be workers beside you. And, oh, God, we also thank you today that you give us the opportunity to be a family once more, the opportunity to sit around your table and look at each other's face and to remind us that each of us bear your reflection. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.